What's up, world? Welcome to a new episode of I Bleed Sports. As you know, I am the host, Brandon New. And like always, on all podcast platforms everywhere, Brandon New Show, social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, I said Instagram. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Brandon New Show. And, uh, of course, like always, YouTube channel, Brandon New Show, man. Go to a comment, uh... Hit the notification button. Do it all on my YouTube channel, Brandon New Show. Shout out to everybody that's been commenting. Everybody's liking the videos. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. The end of the year is almost here, and uh, I will be doing a special I Bleed Sports where I'm going to give out the first ever Bleed Sports Awards. So, yeah. Uh, and I just literally just came up with that just a second ago. So, there it is. Um, that's how fast my brain works. That's just shit happens. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway. So tonight, there's a lot of things going on in sports. A crazy sports week that just transpired. A crazy sports week we're coming into. Um, of course, I'll be talking about the NFL. What's going on there? A couple of transfer portal uh, updates. Like uh, Raleigh Leonard, Duke, former quarterback, is going to independent slash ACC school. If you haven't heard about that. Um, and some players have also declared for the NFL draft. And also I'll be talking about, uh, well, the Heisman Award winner himself. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and, of course, the NFL happened. I'll be talking about what happened there. And of course, I'll be giving my big four, my eyes on the NFL for week 15. And, of course, my levels of warning. But let's get into it, man. So, like I said, so many sports events, so many things I could go from. But I want to start it off like this. So, something I haven't talked about on I Bleed Sports. Uh, just because I, I don't keep up with it, but I keep up with it because I watch Sports Center and I watch all these other networks of sports. So, I do keep up with it, but I don't like to talk about it because I don't know too much about it. But that is the return of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods' return. Uh, to golf over the past weekend, uh, played in a tournament um, after, you know, an accident like what, a year, two years ago, something like that. And, of course, uh, what's been going on in his personal life with his ex. Um, yeah, and uh, Tiger Woods this weekend, he didn't he didn't do anything. I mean, he what, just, he, what, I think he missed, he made the cut or he missed the cut, like, it it was bad. Um and it sucks to see Tiger Woods, you know. Yo, Tiger Woods is like this is literally the biggest fall from grace in sports I've ever seen. Someone that has been was literally the the most dominant fucking athlete in that sport. To the point where we actually had to actually have to have categories. Like Michael Jordan's the greatest team competitor of all time. Tiger Woods is the greatest individual competitor of all time. It was a real conversation. I remember people had polls of who's greater, Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan. That was a real thing when I was a kid. Like, who's the greatest athlete between those two men? This man was beating out super athletes. Jim Browns and Muhammad Ali's and just beating them. 
And to see him completely just have this type of fall from graces when it comes to his own sport, he's not great at his sport that he dominated. And maybe, you know, over a decade ago when the scandals came out about him, maybe it really did fuck up his golf game. I don't know. But for me, the thing about golf that has always kind of hurt golf is that there is no Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was a once-in-a-lifetime generational thing. You had to watch the Masters on Sunday when he wore the red Nike shirt because you knew he was probably going to win. So even when they put out those, when, when young golfers used to come in and they used to win the Masters and people used to immediately scream, can they go on and win so many more Masters? Can, you know, uh, Roy McIlroy, can he go on and win... 13 masters, can he same thing with, with Ricky Fountain and and, and 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 Dustin Johnson and all these golfers that have come since Tigers dominance. All these young golfers that have come in and people have always tried to make them into the next Tiger Woods. And it's like you're never gonna get another Tiger Woods. That shit is unfucking real. He was a fucking supernova. That shit just doesn't fucking happen. He was so great at end of, at that particular sport. We questioned what great athletes was because he was so fucking dominant. And it's always everybody knows, you know, you know, uh, Phil Nickerson and and uh, all of these golfers that played in his era that never got a chance to be that. That. Phil Nickerson is one of the greatest golfers to ever golf. And we do not look at him that way. Why? Because he was in the Tiger Woods era. That's like we look at like like Michael Jordan. Patrick Ewan, Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, like John Stockton, Carl, Carl Malone. These are people that played in Michael Jordan's era. He plays them. Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. Clyde Drexler on his own, because when he was in Houston, he won his ring, but on his own, this man kept people from titles. That is why Jordan is so revered, and that is why Tiger is so revered. I don't talk about golf because I don't know a lot about it. I don't play golf. I, you know, just don't. But as a fan of 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 greatness, Tiger Woods was beyond great. And to see him have this type of fall, it's it's kind of fucked up. It's kind of demoralized. Like every time this man has been in a golfing tournament, I think you I think he literally has won one, maybe two major golfing tournaments since he's been back from those allegations a decade plus, like a decade ago. And even since then, he hasn't really been Tiger Woods. So it's, 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 it's crazy to see someone that was that dominant, that incredible, that life-changing of an athlete become now like, bro, just hang it up. Like, it's getting to the point where, as a fan of the man and respect of the man and the craft that he gave us when I was a kid and watching every damn ESPN 
just be like, look at God, look at Tiger swing, look, look, look at him come back in this golfing tournament. So to see him have this much of a fall is is fucked up. It's fucked up, man. Golf will never be. Maybe one day they will find a, the next Tiger, and maybe he will live up to that. But I don't think anybody else. I don't think this this time period that we live in, we're ever going to get another Tiger Woods in that particular sport of golf. And that's what kills golf. Speaking of winners and greatness, uh, the NBA in-season playoff tournament happened this past Saturday. Uh, the semifinals happened last Thursday. The championship game was Saturday, and let's just get right to the chase. The Lakers won. Uh, they won the first ever in-season tournament uh, crown. Uh, another uh, accomplishment under the 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 King James himself, LeBron James, uh, legacy mantle. Um, beating the Pacers Saturday night. Uh, I forgot what the score was. So when this comes out, y'all probably would tell me. But uh, in the comments. But all in all, man, watching that game last Thursday with him and the Lakers versus the Pelicans, Zion is literally half of LeBron's age. Zion's, what, 19, 20, 21? LeBron's 38, 39 going on, like, going on 39. He's 38 going on 39. LeBron James was outrunning Zion Williamson on the court. LeBron James looked more in shape than a 21-year-old kid that hasn't really played much in his career already. LeBron looked more in shape, looked more active, looked more ready than Zion did. And I know people are going crazy over Zion's weight, and, and but he's always been that size. Yes, he's gotten bigger, but he's always been that size. I remember going to the Houston game to watch the Pelicans here and watching that game and being like, wow, when he gets into the lane, he is big. He is so he can kind of get whatever he needs out of it. But when you have games on national syndicated TV and you look like you look compared to a man that is literally half your fucking age, and he looks way more prepared than you do. You get criticized. That's kind of obvious. The Lakers won the in-season tournament. Now, the question really does go into, uh, does this mean the in-season tournament was a success? Depends on who you ask. I mean, you know, uh, I think it was. I mean, you got exactly, you almost got what you wanted, which is Giannis, Dame versus LeBron and AD. You almost got that. The Pacers kind of ruined that opportunity for everybody. But that is the beauty of having an in-season tournament because anybody could get it. Because that's it's not like the NBA Finals and the NBA Playoffs. We know damn well the Indiana Pacers are not beating the Bucks in the playoffs. Now, could they? Yeah, definitely. 
But in a seven-game series, fuck no. Milwaukee would figure it out. They would probably beat them. So, and I think that as as good as the Pacers, and listen, I've picked the Pacers to be one of those teams this season that a lot of people probably won't talk about. But I expected them to be really good, and I expected the Pelicans to also be there. Um, so I'm not surprised that the Pacers actually got somewhere near the, the you know, the in-season tournament championship to play for it in his first first ever season is more of an accomplishment. Now, for a lot of people, they're going to scream, LeBron James, the GOAT. Uh, and I, of course, want to address that, and that is that um, I will be doing – in 2024, my own personal Michael Jordan, MJ to Kobe to LeBron. Uh, I'm going to talk about three of the greatest players that has ever put on some basketball shoes and go out there and dunk on motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go out there, man. I'm gonna, I mean, that's going to be in 2024. Uh, I don't know when I want to do it because around this time is also going to be playoff time for the NFL. So, and of course, college football with their playoffs and everything. So I should be doing it around after the Super Bowl. Probably I'll do it around after the Super Bowl. But it will be Kobe and Le- Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant to LeBron. It will be MJ to Kobe to LeBron. And it's going to be three in-depth episodes of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron. And then at the end of it, I don't know if I'm going to do a panel with everybody. I don't know if I'm going to have a you know, panel. Uh, probably will. I probably want, I want to do a panel. But uh, – after I do those episodes, of course, I don't want to just put the damn panel out there and then, you know. Uh, but uh, definitely, man, that's coming in 2024. But for LeBron, man, LeBron's having a great season, uh, having an amazing year to start off. Um, my thing with, excuse me, my thing with LeBron and the Lakers right now isn't the start of the season. It's at the end of the season. And do I think LeBron can keep this pace up? The Lakers can keep this pace up? Fuck no. That's my biggest concern. It's not the now. You're going to easily win now. Can you be healthy when it comes to the end? Anthony Davis, I'm looking at you. Can you be healthy when it's supposed to matter? And to me, you winning the in-season tournament is great. Will you be able to win the NBA Finals? Is a whole other fucking animal. Because Phoenix and Golden State and all these other teams... Some of them took it serious, and some of them did not. Some of them had injuries late in those games, and some of them did not. So I don't expect Denver to fall out before they ever, like, this was a a, a tournament where they had stages. They had, you know, teams were in stages. Do I think the Lakers could go play Denver right now and beat Denver in a seven-game series? Fuck no. I'm not going to sit up here and lie. Do I think they could beat Phoenix in a seven-game series? It'll be close. And I give it to the Lakers. Mm, I don't know about that. Even that one, Bill, I don't know about. So for me, it's great to win the in-season tournament for the Lakers. And that's a great thing for the NBA because it actually showed that your stars want to compete, even if it doesn't have the significance of the NBA Finals. And that's something that you have to be behind if you're an NBA fan like I am and just a fan of just – the, the game because 
NBA is one of those leagues that is always trying to expand and trying to figure out a way to get more people to tune in, which is great. Now, now, last Saturday night was the fight. Um, Devin Henney versus Regis Prograves um, last night, uh, last Saturday night for the Super Lightweight Championship. And Devin Henney was moving up um, for from uh, lightweight to super lightweight. Um, he was the undisputed champion in, in the lightweight division, moved up uh, uh, you know, five pounds to go into the 140, uh, 140 pound of uh, conversation. And uh, he and uh, Devin Henney um, dominated, dominated the fight. Uh, Beat the living shit out of Regis Graves. Uh, Regis, uh, he looks slow. And Devin tagged him every time. Um, after Devin kind of could figure out how he was blocking, he would just, get, like, before he could switch his blocking stance and shit, bow, jab. So he had to reset. And it just, it just looked bad. Like, it didn't even look, it didn't. To say Regis was the 140-pound champion, it looked like Devin had been in the 140-pound division for 10 fucking years. Like, the man beat the shit out of this man. Like, he didn't... I was like, yo, this shit is embarrassing. Like, good God almighty. That shit was bad. That was a bad, bad, bad... If you're a boxing fan and you love just boxing, then you love that fight because that was a, a masterpiece by Devin Heaney. He beat the shit out of Regis. Like... He never let Regis feel like he had a chance. He never let him feel it. And then on top of that, for Devin to sit down across from Regis and say, and pretty much say to Regis' face, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to knock you down in this fight. And Regis talked his shit and said what he said. And then to get tagged in the third round and hit the ground, that kind of is demoralizing. Like, that takes your energy. Because you're just like, what the fuck just happened? The first round was a toss-up. By the second, the second round was just, it was after the second round. It was, after the first round, it was a complete waste. It was a complete waste of time. The third round, Regis fell, and that was, it was just like, yep, that's over. Because Regis doesn't have, Regis is slower than him. He can't catch him. He's jabbing him every time he tries to get to him. Regis is a beat, like, I've never, Regis was, like, seriously in his sight line, in his eyesight. Could have put up a punch or two, jab something. He would just do do and get right back in, in, in Devin Henney's eyesight. Bow, jab. And then Devin had to, Regis would have to reset itself and try to get back. It was just a bad fucking match to see. If you, it, it was just bad, man. It was a bad, bad, bad showing for Regis. Great showing for Devin Henney, which creates now the, the conversation. Like I said last week when I saw Ryan Garcia, now I see Devin Haney this sat last Saturday, and immediately people scream, nobody could beat this person. Did you see how bad they beat such and such? And it's like, yeah, I still believe that Tank Davis can beat the shit out of Devin Haney. I still believe <laughs> Shakur Stevenson can fuck up Devin Haney. I still believe... 
And I don't think Devin Henney's coming back to 135. So if they're going to fight him, they're going to have to rise up to 140. Because I don't think he's coming back to 135. Because that would be stupid. Why the fuck would you do that? You don't go down. You move up. So, and especially if you've already moved up, stay up. Like, don't don't move down. And I think Tank has also fought at 140. I can't remember. I think when he fought uh, uh, Burials. I think it was one. I think that was for. I think it was one forty, if I'm not mistaken. But with that being said, I would love to see Tank. Ver, I would love to see Devin versus Tiafimo. I think Devin versus Tiafimo Lopez undisputed championship for the for the titles. It would be for the titles. I think that'd be amazing to see. I would love to see that. Um, Ryan Garcia said he wants to fight Devin Henney now. I don't think Ryan has a chance against Devin. Now, here's the thing. They've both sparred in the past. Devin has won three. Ryan has won three. So, clearly something can happen. But I don't think that the level and the skill level that Devin have right now and the way he's starting to operate in a boxing match, you're starting to see him kind of evolve as a boxer. When I first watched Devin Henney fight, it seemed like something was wrong. It looked like he never could kind of get that power that he needed. He never could knock motherfuckers out. He would get tagged a lot in those fights. But right now, like, when you saw him Saturday, and like I said, even in the Lomachenko fight, he, he kind of was just like, he was fighting Lomachenko. Now, here's the thing. He was controlling the fight, and he won that fight. I had, like I said all the time, I had a 7-5. to five. I thought Devin won that fight outright. But to a lot of people, they would say Lomachenko won that. I don't believe that, but Lomachenko did have like a ninth and 10th round that just absolutely, ninth, 10th and 11th, no, 10th and 11th round that just devastated Devin. And he could never re- really recover from, but then in the 12th round, he took it from him. And that's the thing. Like, I would love to see Devin versus Tiafimo because Tiafimo is Devin's age, just as big. Just as defensively savvy, just as powerful, probably a little bit more powerful than Devin is. And he has just as great of a boxing talent and boxing skill to go against a Devin Heaney. And I think Tiafimo would beat Devin Heaney. I do not, I don't look at last Saturday and say, oh yeah, he's better. He fought a man that was literally slower than him, could not catch him. So, yeah, it was easy work because as long as you can move in and out of the situation and he can't touch you, that's always easy work. That's Floyd Mayweather, baby. Like, I don't give a shit how much you think you got power. If you can't touch me, you can't hit me, motherfucker. And that's the whole point. What what does Floyd always say? The, 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 the point of boxing is to hit and not get hit. Yes, that's the point of boxing. Devin did that to perfection Saturday. He did that shit to perfection Saturday night. You could, Regis couldn't touch him. He couldn't touch him. And by the time he did start to tag him a little bit, his power was gone. So it wasn't a threat anymore. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, another fight that's happening this Saturday is the UFC. Um, it will be, uh, uh, Leon Edwards. Oh, well, I say Leon. Yeah, Leon Edwards. <laughs> uh, Leon Edwards 
versus yeah, Edwards versus um Kobe Covington. Uh I wanna say good God almighty, I don't wanna fuck this up. <laughs> um I know it's not middle. It it's gotta be Walter. Welterweight championship, I think. Yeah. Uh Welterweight Championship uh for the UFC. Um Kobe Covington is a hard son of, is a tough son of a bitch. I don't agree always with his politics and what that's about. He kind of comes in sometimes as a racist asshole. I'm not lying. You can get mad at that statement that I just made, but go watch some of the shit he said in press conferences and interviews. He comes off sometimes as a racist asshole. So it's kind of hard to root for somebody like that. Um... He's been close a couple times to being the champion, to being the guy. Um, him and Kyle Uzma had a couple of, you know, Uzma had a couple of fights in the past and always was close, just never could get it done, um, which brings into this fight this weekend. Uh, Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards, who's been ever since beating Uzma for the title a couple of years ago, uh, with that crazy ass head kick, that shit was perfect. He, Uzma even said, "Yo, I just next thing I, I put my head, I was ducking everything, and then I put my, I kind of put my hand down, put my head right in this, in the way of the kick, and next thing I know, I was in the ambulance, and they was asking me where I was. <laughs> like he was like, shit, he gave me like a thirty minute nap. <laughs> like so, Leon Edwards who's fought his way to get to this point in his career." Um, I'm looking forward to this fight. I don't know who's going to win. Uh, I would love to side with the champ, but like I said, uh, Kobe Covington is a really good fucking UFC fighter. He can fucking fight, man. Um, and like I said, how many more chances and opportunities he's going to get to be the guy in the spot for the belt. That's something that weighs on people like that. So, um, same thing with like, uh, 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 channel, uh, Channel, uh, oh, dude, channel, uh, child, <laughs> oh, fuck, I fucked up his name, but y'all know what I'm talking about, uh, that used to just talk all the time, and then when he got in the ring, he got his ass whooped every fucking time, Chael Sanger, yeah, I think it's Chael Sanger, get in the ring and get his ass whooped every fucking time he got in the ring, like, you fight for the titles, and then he just get his ass whooped, and you'd be like, you can't be talking shit and get your ass whooped, like, that don't make no sense, so, but, um, I expect this fight to be incredible. I expect it to be amazing. And I expect it to be one of the hardest hitting fights we probably see all year in the UFC. Now let's get into it. So, like I said, started off, college football is having some transfers and people declaring for the draft. Like Drake May has officially declared for the draft, same as Sam uh, Hutton. Sam... uh, (laughs) Hartman, Sam Hartman, uh, has also declared who played for Wake Forest in Notre Dame last year. Drake May, of course, is projected to be the second quarterback taken. I personally don't have him there, but we shall see. Um, 
So those two have already declared for the draft quarterback-wise. And also Raleigh Leonard is going from uh, Duke to North Carolina. So he's going to be replacing Sam in the North Carolina in a, in a Notre Dame offense. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what next year is going to bring. That's going to be a pretty interesting situation, to say the least. Riley Leonard was considered one of the best quarterbacks coming into – could have been one of the best quarterbacks in this year's draft. Uh, but his season kind of got cut short early, injuries. So probably he's like, you know, fuck it. I just go and play, you know, in, you know, this draft. So – but – yeah. Um, all right. So, Jane Daniels won the Heisman. It was kind of obvious. <laughs> like, anybody that's up here is like trying to like make it seem like that wasn't the most obvious decision. You are craziest shit and you're delusional. That was the obvious fucking decision. The craziest part is the fact that they didn't even give Bo Nix the number, like the second spot. They gave his ass third. He was the last, it was third behind Michael Penix Jr., who I've been saying should be in that conversation as the Heisman. But because so many people got turned off by Washington late in the season, he didn't get the same love and same acclaim as Bo Nix, a man that he beat twice in the season. So it's kind of weird that how it all ended up to be, which is Michael Penny Jr. ends up second behind Jane Daniels. Jane Daniels is officially a Heisman Award winner, which makes sense. Um, for anybody that was thinking he shouldn't, but this is my thing about this. Do I think Jane, McDan- Jane Daniels now jumps the conversation of excuse me, the best quarterback in college? No. If you want to go with Keller Williams, number one, go with Keller Williams, number one. You want to go with Drake May, number two, go with Drake May, number two. But I do believe he does deserve a conversation because this isn't just a guy that walked into, you know, some, you know, team. He went from the Pac-12 to the SEC and did and put up 50 fucking touchdowns this season. And even last year, he had a great year. So and got LSU to the uh to the SEC championship game last year. So for him to have these two seasons, it's a consistent growth of how great he is. But again, I digress. People won't look at it as that. They'll look at it as how they want to look at it. But for me personally, me personally, his season was was incredible. All right, let's get into it. So NFL happened. Week 14 happened. A lot of craziness, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of games. I was just like, huh. That shouldn't be the results of that game, but okay. Uh, Which gets me into this, and I will talk about more of that going into this. So, let's go into it. So, my big four of the NFL season coming into week 15. You already know I do this. I go from one to four, talk about the teams, why I have them so highly ranked, so much love and respect for them. So let's get to it. So number one, coming off of beating the Los Angeles Rams this past weekend, and number one is the number one seeded, AFC number one seeded, Baltimore Ravens at 10 
and three. They play the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday night on NBC. Um, the Ravens are continuously winning, which means as long as they continue to win, they will have the number one seed. Miami is now nine and four. Kansas City and Jags both lost this past weekend as well. So it now seems like this is just Baltimore's opportunity to win. Um, like I said, played the Ra- the Rams. The Rams had their best game against a really good team, and they showed up and showed out in that game. Now, they, of course, lost, but the Baltimore Ravens showed how great they can be in certain conditions. I think the bye week helped them out tremendously because it kind of got their offense back in a rhythm. Uh, Lamar Jackson – uh, Zay Flowers got going. Odell Beckham is starting to kind of catch his rhythm now with the NFL and back in the NFL and also with the Ravens offense, which is great, and that's what you need. Um, I think that Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. I've never changed my prediction on that. They have had games this year where they've been a little bit shaky, but it doesn't change my perspective on how good the Ravens really are. The Ravens are a really good fucking team. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you go into the playoffs and the Ravens are the number one seed, good fucking luck to the rest of the AFC. Because if you got to go into Baltimore, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you beat the Ravens. I don't think you beat the Ravens. Not this year's Ravens. I think the Ravens of the past too relying on Lamar, too relying on this, too relying on that. I think the Ravens are actually a better team and well-equipped to help Lamar get to where he needs to go. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what that's going to look like. Like I said, the Ravens are number one to me. Number two is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, 10-3, coming off of beating the Seattle Seahawks uh, this past weekend. 28 to 16. Um, I still don't trust Brock Purdy. I know Brock Purdy's having a great year, and that's awesome. And I don't trust Brock Purdy. <laughs> I just, I don't trust Brock Purdy. Um, no, no this, but I just don't trust Brock Purdy. Um, I think Brock Purdy is the last pick of the draft. For what he does for that offense and that team, great. But the moment somebody loses, somebody loses a partner or something, it's over. Like, soon as Debo go down, or Christian McCaffrey go down, or George Kittle go down, like, soon as someone of that caliber goes down, I do not see San Francisco being great. Because you're putting too much on Brock Purdy. I will not forget those three games when he didn't have Debo. He didn't have Christian McCaffrey. He didn't have these guys. And he looked like the last pick of the fucking draft. Yes, when everybody's healthy, they're great. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. The moment you lose your guy, what happens? So I give San Francisco 10-3. and three. They're great. They're number one seed now in the NFC. Uh, thanks to the loss of, you know, loss of the Eagles uh, to my third team on this list, and that is the Cowboys, uh, coming in at 10-3, and three. first time ever making a list this year, uh, Cowboys, 10-3, I can't deny what I saw Sunday, that was a hell of a win, 
and an ass whooping to go with it. Um, Dallas uh, still don't have no faith in them. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I feel like you gotta do that shit against. Still don't have a running game, and they still don't really have a particularly great offensive line. But because Philly is not great at stopping shit in the middle of the field, and because they don't have really actually really good corners or a really good uh, linebacking core this year, they're relying too much on that front four, which Dallas took a part of. It took their chances on it. When you don't have that much faith in the secondary, like Philly right now doesn't have any faith in their secondary, it's easy pickings. Dallas took advantage of that, and they're probably going to take advantage of it some more if they play in the playoffs. Um, Dallas 10-3. and They go to Buffalo this past, this upcoming weekend, which is going to be a pretty interesting game. I'll talk about it a little bit more uh, in my eyes on the NFL this week. But for me, Dallas is 10-3. and That defense played the best it could have played and showed up and showed out against the Eagles. And that's great. Coming in at number four, this shit changes every week, uh, which is the Cleveland Browns at eight and five, uh, beating um, the Jacksonville Jaguars this past weekend. Um, they are now eight and five, and they play the Brown. They play the Bears, and they're the only team that I have in my four that actually have a home, and they play the Bears this upcoming weekend um, at home. Um, yeah, the defense of the Browns may be the best defense in the NFL. But because of the turmoil of what this team actually is, in hindsight, they shouldn't be 8-5. But the craziest shit is, they should also be 9-4. Because if you actually pay attention to last week, they probably should have beat the Rams. Miss. Mix mixed kicks and shit by the field goal kicker. But the Bears, the Browns are the best defense in the league. Miles Garrett, De- uh, Denzel Ward, all those players on that defense is one hell of a collection of talent. Uh, me and my brother Juan talk about this all day. Jim Shorts as a defensive coordinator, he sucks as a head coach, but he's amazing as a defensive coordinator. He probably will get another look as head coach, even though he probably doesn't deserve it because I've seen enough of him as a head coach. He probably isn't that guy, but he's probably going to get another look because how great the Browns' defense is. 85, they still have a chance to win the AFC North, which is the craziest shit. They have not had that, uh, Deshaun Watson for like the last couple of weeks, and he shit, even prior to that, they didn't really have him that much. But Joe Flacco who's had two games now. This man was sitting on his couch a couple of fucking weeks ago. This man's had two games in the NFL, back in the NFL, and has looked like he never lost his job in Baltimore to Lamar Jackson. He looks so ready to go. This is the craziest shit I've ever seen. The Browns can actually, the Browns, this Browns team is going to make the playoffs. I guarantee, I don't think the Browns are going to fall anytime soon. They got to play, I think, the Bengals one more time. I think they played the, no, they already played the Ravens twice, so they don't have to play the Ravens anymore. But you still got the Steelers, who's struggling offensively. And you got the Bengals one more time. 
And I can't remember who else you got. You got somebody else. After this Bears game, I don't forget, but I know you got two divisional games. I know you got the Steelers. No, yeah, the Steelers and the Bengals to play. So, but this Browns team have the most incredible chance to not just get into the playoffs, but make the most noise in the playoffs. And I can't wait to see how this is all going to play out. I can't wait, man. Um, now let's get into it. Like I say all the time, my eyes on the NFL. Um, I used to do this for college, now I'm doing it for the NFL. And my eyes on the NFL week 15, you know how I do this. I pick four games, which is my skeptical game of the week, the most interesting game of the week, my upset game of the week, and, of course, the game of the week. So let's get into it. My skeptical game of the week happened Saturday, the first game Saturday, and that is the the Broncos versus the Detroit Lions. Detroit coming off of another loss, and, again, it doesn't look good how they lost in this game. Detroit is starting to now have the identity search shit, which is like, what are we as a team? Defensively, they're not great. And now the offense is kind of picking up what the defense is doing. Like I said, last year, it was the reverse. The defense sucked and the offense was great. The offense was number one on offense, the number one offense in the entire NFL. And then the defense was the 32nd defense. They started off so great this year that now the defense is starting to show it's 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 going backwards to what they usually have been. I thought getting a new pass rush like uh, uh, Bruce Irvin would help this pass rush finally give them something, but it hasn't happened. Gardner Johnson, who they bought in, hasn't even been there for most of the year. So the secondary has struggled because of that. Detroit is starting to really have a bad, a bad showing. And for the other side, Denver started off one and five. They are now what seven and six, some shit like that. Denver still has a chance to make the playoffs, which is the craziest shit in the planet. The fact that Denver has a chance to make the playoffs is 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 incredibly shocking. Like they should not be able to make the playoffs. But Denver not only has a chance to make the playoffs, they have a chance to still win the division. They're only a game behind the Kansas City, what, two games behind the Kansas City Chiefs? They also beat Kansas City already this year. This is why this game is such a a skeptical game for me because what is going to happen? Is Detroit going to finally wake up? They've been on the road the last couple of weeks. Can they finally wake up? Can they finally catch that Detroit magic that they had earlier in the season? Or does Denver's luck continue to run free and possibly get more and more closer to possibly taking the division away from Kansas City? It could fucking happen, ladies and gentlemen. No, actually, they're a game behind Kansas City. Kansas City's 85 and Denver's 76. So they're actually a game behind Kansas City. So they actually have a chance to actually lap Kansas City. This is the craziest shit. So, that's an interesting take on it, man. Like, that's even crazier because Kansas City's 8-5 and, and Denver's 7-6. And, and Denver does, they split the games. And now that Denver has a little bit of a leeway in divisional play. So, 
We shall see how this is going to play out, man. But that is my skeptical game of the week. Broncos versus Detroit, Saturday noon. I am definitely tuning in for that game. My most interesting game of the week, like I said, I will talk about them. And that is the Dallas Cowboys going to Buff- going to Buffalo to play the, Buff- the Buffalo Bills. Now, like I said, Dallas dominated the Philadelphia Eagles Sunday night football, 33-13. to But the Bills, to some people, and I get into that when I talk about my levels of warning, but the Bills are now what? Seven and six, I think. Six and seven, seven and six. In the AFC, Josh Allen uh, went to Arrowhead Stadium and kind of exercised his demons because he actually won a game when Kansas City had the ball last and he won the game, despite how people want to say or talk about it. He actually won. Buffalo fucking won. And they won with Kansas City with the ball in their hands. They had a chance to win. To a lot of people, they probably did win. But the fact of the matter is this. Josh Allen beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. And this is why it's my, my most interesting game of the week. Because Dallas is coming off probably the best win. They've had in years. Dak outplayed a better quarterback. He looked better than Jalen Hurts. How much of this is going to actually continue to motivate Dallas? Dallas has a chance to not only win the division, but kind of get in the conversation to be the number one seed. Now, technically, they can't get it, and they can't really get the division because Philly is still in front of them. But does Dallas have a letdown? And does Buffalo have a letdown? Or does Buffalo actually show up and show out? Because now they're saying, you know what? We not only have a chance to make the playoffs, we still have a chance to win the division. How much does that play into Buffalo going into this game, playing against Dallas? Buffalo's defense, by the way, has actually gotten better as the season has progressed. So it's kind of interesting to see how this is going to look. So, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so Dallas versus Buffalo is already pretty fucking good. I can't wait to see it. My upset game of the week is the New York Jets versus the Miami Dolphins. Now, I get it. Miami lost last night. A <laughs> crazy loss. I, don't know, I still don't know how the fuck they lost that game. I'm still trying to figure it out. But... They lost to the Tennessee Titans. Not just how you lost to the Tennessee Titans. It's the way you lost to the Tennessee Titans. You had the game. The game was yours. And you lost to the Tennessee Titans. Now you have no center. Teron Armstead Armstead has been in and out of the lineup for the last couple of the whole damn season. Tariq Hill is a little back. And Tariq Hill is banged up now. And you start to get into the point of Miami might be in a really bad situation. Now, I get it. Zach Wilson showed up and showed out against Houston. He played his ass off. He won him the game. He was the better quarterback on the field against C.J. Stroud. I cannot lie. He was. Does that carry over for the Jets? Does that make the Jets feel a lot more confident, especially going in to a Miami where you don't know if Tariq Hill is going to be 100%, which – we know he's not going to be 100%. <laughs> I 
Now they have a backup center. Snapping the ball to Tua. We don't know if Terod Armstead is going to be, a health, be healthy enough to play. And now you're putting yourself into a position of your Miami where the division is up for grabs if you lose this game because you do play Buffalo at the end of the season in Miami. Excuse me. And if Buffalo continues to roll like they're rolling, I don't think Miami could beat Buffalo in Miami when it's all said and done. So they kind of have to win this game, which brings me to the Jets' defense. Jets' defense against Houston. I get it was raining, whatever. But that defense is still solid. That defense is playing their ass off the last couple of weeks. They've been playing hard. Ever since the Black Friday game, they've been playing hard. Even in the Black Friday game, they just didn't have the offense. Now they kind of got something offensively going, and they have the defense. I expect this game to be tough. I expect this game to be an actual AFC East divisional game, and I actually could have seen the Jets pulling off the upset. That's why I have them as my upset game of the week. And my game of the week, uh, there was not that many to choose from, but I'll go with this one. And that is mainly because of these two teams are fucking spiraling right now. So it's going to be good entertainment on Monday night. Eagles going to Seattle to play the Seattle Seahawks. Now, like I said, both teams lost. Both teams lost in very dominant factions and <laughs> dominant ways. San Francisco just absolutely – well, Seattle better game than, there's, than Thanksgiving night. Lord knows that was an ass whooping. And the Eagles for the second straight week looks like they don't know how – they are losing who they are for the second straight week. Now, the one thing about the Eagles I've always loved is that they found a way to win games. Now they're finding a way not to just lose games, get their ass whooping games. The Buffalo game is one thing. You gave up 30 points, but you came back and won that game. But the San Francisco game and the Dallas game, they those two teams just absolutely was just better than you. Like, they were just absolutely better than you. And now it makes me question what the hell is wrong with the Eagles. Is it the defense? Is it the offense? Is it all? Is What the hell is going on? Are they really that injured? Are they really that banged up? What the hell is going on? The Eagles is in a very, very, very tough situation right now. And that is not only can you not just lose. You're probably going to make the playoffs. You're 10-3. Nobody in the NFC has even got that close of a record that isn't a divisional leader outside of the NFC South. So nobody has that close of a record. So you're probably going to make the playoffs regardless. But even in that sense, what makes me think you go into any of these NFC South teams' backyards and beat them the first game? Because you're now starting to have these games, and it's showing, like, you can beat the Eagles. And right now, that's exactly what it looks like. You can beat the Eagles. And that's not good for the Eagles. Speaking of that, the team that they had to play, and that is the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is having, talk about a team that's having a damn spiral. Seattle at one point was the NFC West leaders. They have lost every game since. <laughs> they have lost every game since they 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 uh took the division lead from the San Francisco 49ers. They have lost every game since. Seattle had a great display against the Cowboys on Thursday night, just came up short. 
and then San Francisco just beat them. And I don't know what Seattle's going to have to do, but Seattle right now is in a position where they can literally lose the little spot you have in the playoffs. You can kind of lose that. You're now on, what, six and seven, I think? Uh, seven and six, something like that. You have to figure it out now. Because if not, Geno Smith's going to get – well, Geno Smith's already going to lose his job because they're going to drive a quarterback. But now it's starting to look like P. Carmichael made a, might have fucked up with just letting Russell Wilson go. Because if Russell makes the playoffs and you don't, it's the same thing with the Saints. If Sean Payne makes the playoffs but Dennis Allen doesn't, we got to get rid of you. So that's why this is my game of the week. Now, my levels of warning for week 15 of the NFL season. Y'all know how I do this. Yellow is caution. Orange is panic time. Red is DOA. Now, let's get into it. So, my team that definitely needs some caution, and that is the 10-3 Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville losing to Cleveland, and here's the thing. They fought diligently. They came back in the game, but Trevor Lawrence playing on a high ankle sprain and threw three touchdowns, but he also threw three picks. That's Trevor Lawrence. I don't know people... I don't know why people act like Trevor Lawrence is this Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Joe Montana. Like, no, he's a really good version of what? Brock Purdy? That's it. He's a little bigger, a little taller, a little bit more accurate. And even that, I don't even claim that you're more accurate. You, Brock Purdy is actually better than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I said that shit. Brock Purdy is better than Trevor Lawrence. Like, Brock Purdy's been in the league two years. And I don't want to hear that shit about, well, look at the system he's in. And I can even sit there and say that. But I can also sit there and say Brock Purdy can actually play football. He actually knows how to play football. He actually does. It really does make a difference when you have nobody and you have somebody in your lineup. Trevor Lawrence has been in the league, what, three, four years now? And he hasn't figured out how to be the quintessential game changer that everybody screams he is. He played in this game against Cleveland. Yeah. It's easy to throw three touchdowns when you already threw three fucking picks because now everybody knows you got to throw damn ball. And sometimes Cleveland Cleveland played a little bit back, a little bit too far back, and you got some plays. Congratulations, but you still lost the game. This is the thing about the Jacksonville Jaguars that I don't understand about people. Well, Jacksonville is actually 9-4. I'm tripping. No, Jacksonville is 8-5. I'm tripping. I, put, I don't know why I put 10-3, but they're 8-5. Jacksonville is 8-5, and, and you're in the division right now where the Texans and the Colts still have a chance. And shit, to be honest with you, Tennessee still got a chance at the last night. So everybody still has a chance in that division to be, to win that division. So for the Jags to be 8-5 and five and have a situation like this and be now in a divisional struggle between the Texans coach and the Titans, and you have a tougher schedule coming up than they do, I don't, I don't like the look of this. I don't like the look of it. Um, so good luck with that. My panic time, which is the orange, and that is – the Kansas City Chiefs at 8-5 as well. Kansas City lost to Buffalo. That's one thing. 
Flow's a a decent to okay team. Decent to good team. So that's understandable. But how you lost to Buffalo is funny as shit. <laughs> it's funny. Kadavius Tony has been in, has been with the Kansas City Chiefs now for a year and a half. He got traded midway through last year to the Kansas City Chiefs from the Giants. So he should know how your offense works. He should know how to line up. And now I hear everybody saying, well, did the refs owe the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, Kadavis like to tell Kadavis, hey, back, back, back up, back up, back up. Did they owe them that? No. You have lined up too many times in this offense and know where the fuck you're supposed to be for you to be that clueless. And they got the nerve for y'all to go to own fucking the podium after the game and literally say that was the worst call I ever seen in my life. Patrick Mahomes literally said it was the worst call, but then says, with a call like that, you should just swallow the whistle and let the damn play stand. So you want a handout. You want a handout. That's funny because I remember there was a P.I. call that happened when you played the Jets earlier this year. Which wasn't even really a P.I. call. <laughs> they called that shit and everybody was like, how the fuck you call a P.I. call? The man never touched the fucking dude. What are you talking about? And they gave y'all the ball with good field position, which let y'all run out the clock. I didn't see y'all go out there and scream. I didn't see y'all go out there and scream that that was egregious. No, you won. You won. And for me, it's too many people that ride the dick of Kansas City. Like... Like, rod the dick of Kansas City. I saw yesterday uh, Nick Wright on uh, First Things First on FX1 try to justify the obvious dumbass decision of the Kansas City Chiefs for going fucking ballistic and screaming that... That wasn't a that wasn't offsides. And Nick Wright gets on there and says this play was never called. Da, da, da. Yo, the penalty has been called eleven fucking times this season. Eleven. Eleven offsides penalty, offensive offsides penalties for guys that's lined up just like Adavius Tony was lined up. The NFL has emphasized that they're going to call this penalty more. They did it what in 2021 once, they did it in 2022. Twice, they've been at 11 times. So clearly this is going up as the seasons have progressed. So stop trying to make the shit seem like, oh, that's fucked up. How are they going to cheat Kansas City like that? Kansas City has been in multiple Super Bowls the last couple of years. You're finding out what happens when shit just don't go your fucking way. 
It's not going your way. It's okay. It's not going your way. It's okay. It's okay. Stop trying to make it seem like you deserve to always win. No, the fuck you don't. If you deserve to win, maybe your ass should never trade it to retail. Maybe you bet on the wrong fucking horse. This is what Kansas City was supposed to look like last year. You got a reprieve because Eric Bieniemy was there and he kept calling y'all plays. Like I said last week with Kansas City, this office was already fixed by week 15 last year. They already looked like an undefeated, like they were going to the Super Bowl last year. I wonder why. Oh, I do. Eric Bieniemy was there. Kansas City losing to Buffalo. Is the funniest shit on the planet. How they lost. Kadavius Tony dropping the ball every damn game, damn near. All these receivers dropping the ball. I expect Kansas City to be in a really bad position. Now, this week they got the Patriots. The Patriots won Thursday night against the Steelers. That's great. So you might get. Lucky in this game. Look. Well, you might get lucky because the Patriots can still call defense. And if you're dropping the ball, like y'all are dropping the ball, this might not go as well as everybody thinks. But Kansas City need to stop that fuck shit. Because, no, you just suck right now. You want the refs to give you a call, or let you have the touchdown. But yet, it's the rule that somebody's lined up on the offense past the ball, which Kadarius Tony was. It's a fucking offside. And red is DOA, which is, I talked about him earlier, the Lions, 9-4. Listen, Detroit, I get it. It's starting to feel like you guys have, like I said, regressed defensively. And now the team feels like they're regressing because excuse me, the team feels like they're regressing because the defense can't get themselves right. As good as Detroit is, and I don't think Green Bay or Minnesota, Chicago, are not, they're not going to catch you. But this is still not a good look that you have. A really good team earlier in the year, and now you're looking worse. You're getting worse as the games progress. This is the second straight time you've played Chicago in the last couple of weeks. And they look way more in tune. They look way more together. They look like they are not the team that is about to pick number one and number four in the draft. They look like a team that's going to the playoffs and leading the damn division. Saturday against the Broncos, you at are, you are at home. If the Broncos beat you Saturday night, Saturday, I might have to sell my Detroit stock because there is no way in hell the Denver Broncos should come into Detroit and beat you. I don't give a fuck how bad you look. You got to win that game. You got to win that game. <sighs> 
that's the end. Bob Bleed Sports. Like I said, uh, this weekend I'll be doing I Bleed Sports. Uh, the uh, the Bleedies. I don't know if I'm gonna call it that. That sounds so goddamn disturbing. Um, <laughs> but the <laughs> the Bleed Sports Awards. Uh, we started. I'll be doing that this weekend because I have nothing else to do. Uh, so I'll be doing that this weekend, closing out 2023 with the Bleed, the Bleed Sports Awards. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Until next time, man, I am Brandon Janu. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll see you next Tuesday with a new episode. And look, be on the lookout for the Bleed Sports Awards. Till next time, peace.